0: Hello, and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. As you can hear, I'm not Lewis McParlane, but I am Jake Smales, filling in for Lewis while he's working on some exciting non preview show related GFFN projects. Rest assured, I will be doing my utmost to replicate the charm, charisma, and undying passion for Yassine Adley that we've all come to know and love. Today, we'll be taking a look back at last night's match between Metz and PSG, which saw Les Parisiens leap out of the relegation zone and snatch a cruel late win, finally finding the back of the net to get their season up and running. It only took them 42 shots. We'll also have a look at some of the more intriguing encounters coming up this weekend, including Paris Saint-Germain's visit to Nice, as well as Rennes versus Monaco and Marseille versus Lille. As we record... Um, Marseille are taking on Saint-Étienne, so we may also have some updates on that as we go. Um, and no, Arsenal fans, we do not have any news on Hussein Awar. With me today uh, on the podcast, I have two guests um, who are both perhaps feeling slightly worse for wear given the events that have taken place over the last 24 hours. Uh, the first of these is Jeremy Smith. Jeremy, great to have you on. Could you perhaps give us three words to sum up your thoughts and feelings at full time last night
1: uh i need to try to think of three clean ones (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know typical bloody mess i guess (laughs) (laughs) typical
0: bloody mess that's the
1: most polite i can think of (laughs) that's perfect
0: um, I think everyone gets the idea. Um, and I'm also, of course, joined by GFFN's resident Angers superfan. It is, of course, Mr. Thomas Wiseman. Thomas is official. The jewel in the Angers crown, <laughs> Santa Maria has joined Freiburg for what is a record fee for the German club. Um, rumors suggesting around 10 million euros. Uh, Jeremy, I saw that you've already sent out your thoughts and commiserations to Thomas over Twitter. <laughs> I want to echo that sentiment now and Thomas, uh, I, we would love to hear your thoughts, uh, at this difficult time.
2: <laughs> um, I've, I've been preparing this for about a year. So, um, but it still hurts to see him go. Um, but he was been such an amazing servant for the past four seasons, um, at the club. And it's sad he'll, he's, he's moving on, but he deserves, he deserves a, a move and, and I wish him all the luck in, uh, in Germany. But, uh, for for Angers to replace him? <laughs> um, well, let's just, let's see.
0: Let's see. It's yeah. certainly a tall order and a big loss for the league. Um, just to update everyone on the Marseille Saint-Étienne score, it is half-time there uh, as we record, and uh, Roman Amuma has given the visitors the lead. So it's currently 1-0 Saint-Étienne. Um, yeah, didn't see that coming after the last couple of results. Um, so, where else can we start than with the dramatic events of Wednesday evening as uh, PSG survived a major scare to claim their, thir- their first win of the Ligue 1 season at the third time of asking. Metz battled well and after Abu Diallo's sending off in the 65th minute, it looked like the visitors could be on for a famous draw. But- and things went from bad to worse for Les Parisiens when Jean when Juan Bernat hobbled off with a late injury mm-hmm. to leave Paris with nine men. But Julian Draxler saved the day in injury time, heading in a rebound um, from an Alexander Ukija save. Uh, Thomas Tuchel said after the game, I don't know if any team in history has beaten another team with nine men versus 11. Um, Twitter duly provided several instances in Ligan when this has taken place. Uh, Bordeaux's official Twitter account uh, even responded to a GFFN quote. Um, so we'll save PSG for now. I'd like to start with the visitors uh, so Jeremy what are your thoughts on the Mets performance last night uh, having come within a hair's breadth of getting a draw at the Parc des Princes
1: um, I'm kind of torn on, on Mess's season so far um, after their, their defeat to Lille at the weekend which was a relatively early 89th minute winner um, uh, Vincent Reunion said that um, we're sort of four points worse off points-wise than, than last season, but we're playing a lot better and we've got a better team. And I think he's probably right, but the team still needs to be played in the right way. And um, the concern was always this season where, whether we are going to score enough goals. That's still a problem, but even more so if if we're playing so defensively. And to be fair to to us, I guess, um, you know, first match played Monaco at home, and Leconte was was named man of the match, which gives you an idea that you know mess sort of at least matched matched Monaco and, and just couldn't put the ball in the net. Lille and PSG, I think, actually we set up far too defensively, and, and certainly PSG. Yes, they you know they they still filtered eleven internationals or 10 and a couple and youth international um but and you know that it was still psg at home so everything was still in their favor but with all the sort of stories and bad form and pressure and everything else i think that there was possibly a a result to to be got at and obviously mess can kick themselves because they're only sort of a minute or two away from getting that result. And it was probably their fault that the goal was conceded. Um, and I'm not going to say PSG weren't on top. Of course they were. But I think possibly with a little bit, bit more courage, Mess might have given PSG a little bit more to worry about. And my only hope is that um, you know, Mess looks at this calendar. Those are the first few matches. They've got Ras next, who you know are tough as well. And then Marseille. And I'm wondering if... if the, the coaching staff are kind of thinking, look, let's just let's just get through these matches without our goal difference being too shot, and then we'll concentrate after that. But it's ahead of a risky game because um, I think we're going to struggle to score all season anyway. And also, you don't want you know to be fielding players with their confidence shot before you've even got a point on the board. Um, so I'm sort of torn. You know, it was brave performance? We had a couple of chances. Yes, Ukicha was probably our best player, but um you know we we sort of not match them but well you know you, you're two minutes away from a result at the part that passed. you're obviously going to be it means you must have done a few things right and you're obviously going to be gutted to, to come away with no points
0: yeah sure and and as you say i think you know mess haven't had the rub of the green in terms of some easy fixtures to start things off with and get the confidence going. But talking about that attack, you know, Abubakar Diallo is obviously being linked with a move away, and he was so vital, you know, with his goals last season to to helping you guys stay up. Um, where do you see those goals coming from if he if he leaves?
1: They're putting a lot of faith in in Nian, who I do think potentially can be a very good player. Arguably, I think he's sort of got more variety to his game than than Diallo. But he, you know, in I think a good two, three years now, he hasn't really pushed on. And, you know, that's partly because he has been kept out of the sort of centre-forward spot by Diallo's good form. But still, um, I'd sort of be expecting more of a kind of upward trajectory. And then you've got players like and get who can really blow hot and cold. Bulaya even more so. He can be either completely unplayable or unwatchable. Then we've got Thierry Ambrose, who looks such an amazing sort of youth talent at Man City. Um we had him on loan last year and he he didn't score all season, but he worked very hard, so we signed him permanently. I think the hope is that, you know, those four or five players and, and Wagner Diaz as well, who potentially is a very good signing, but he's probably not going to be fit for another month or two um, I think the hope is that sort of between them they'll they'll share the goals and and provide the goals to each other as well um, but I just I whether you're sort of challenging for for the top places or trying to stave off relegation um, I just think you know, a a striker who is guaranteed to score sort of you know, minimum 10, 12 goals a season is, is sort of gold dust. And and that's what I really worry about. I d like I said at the start, I do think we've got a better team last year at than last year and sort of well set better set up in general. Um we've even got Antonetti back in the background, you know, sadly his his wife passed away during the summer. Um so he's going to be more involved again. But there's only so much that A solid defence and a decent midfield and uh, a good sort of uh, football director in the background can do if you haven't got someone who's putting the ball in the back of the net and that's the worry.
0: Yeah indeed indeed I think it is and as you say you know clearly you've been been defensively solid over the last over the first few games of the season but do you have any concerns about Mess' inability to see matches over the line? Do you think the issue is concentration or fatigue or just a case of tricky fixtures and these teams eventually kind of finding a way over the line? Um,
1: I don't don't think it's fatigue. I think all three goals that they've conceded probably they didn't cover themselves in glory um, defensively. Um, Certainly... So definitely Monaco, and and certainly last night. I think you know that they I think Mess had six players in the area yesterday to to PSG's two, but mm-hmm. most of them stopped running, and and so Dra- no one was with Draxler to even you know put in a challenge or make it difficult for him to. You know, it wasn't the most straightforward. A, a header sort of bouncing up from a from a low goalkeeper's save, but. He had all the time in the world, so that wasn't great defend, defending. But I don't, I don't think it's tiredness, and I also do think we've got more strength in depth defensively this season as well. Um, it's just that if you're setting up to mostly defend for ninety minutes, then you know, with all the, the, the sort of will in the world, at some point you're probably going to make a mistake, and it's sort of, I guess, if if you're conceding goals in the sort of 89th and 93rd minutes, then it's, it's perfectly reasonable to to think, oh, maybe they run out of steam. But I think it's just, yeah, possibly, you know, attack is the best form of defence. And I think Mess need to to get that through to themselves.
0: Sure. I think that's going to be vital. And as you said, given the, the run of fixtures to come, um, it will be interesting to see whether they are able to kind of attacking, consistency and cohesion going. Um, Let's move on to to PSG then. Um, It's never a dull moment in the capital. Um, It's been a chaotic start to the season so far. Uh, Two defeats, one win, um, one goal, 42 shots, a long way from the level of performance that saw them come so close to winning the Champions League. Thomas, PSG have obviously had their fair share of problems to deal with, namely players suffering from COVID-19. But how much of this starts of the season do you think is down to a Champions League hangover, um, or perhaps you know other things going on behind the scenes?
2: Yeah, I think that it's something you you really got got to consider, um, and you can see how stretched the the team is now becoming. Um, you saw that in uh, against Mets, even though you know you saw a lot of a lot of starters, but i um, the. The way they played against Mets, I think Jez will probably agree, is everything pretty much went through and held De Maria. And that's not a bad thing, but they didn't really have much other, many other ideas. Um, and Di Maria did play very well on the day. Um, but it, it seemed that look, they're more disjointed than that they previously were um, last season. And I think, obviously, the injuries and and what's happening off the pitch is probably... Is probably causing causing some of that,
0: for sure. And do you think that perhaps um, there's more to that behind the scenes in terms of what's going on between Thomas Tuchel and the players? Because you know, despite the fact that, that Thomas Tuchel um, guided PSG to their first ever Champions League final, you know, speculation has been rife that he's in hot water, and results have obviously been in poor. Uh, been poor, but you know, there's 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 RMC have been saying that, you know, there's um, all sorts going on behind the scenes, including preferential treatment for South American players, meaning that the rest of the squad are fed up. There's confusion over his management of Icardi, dismay at his insistence to play Marquinhos in midfield and frustration at the lack of tactics. You know, that's pretty damning wherever whichever source that has come from, from the um, from behind the scenes, if that has indeed come from the PSG dressing room. Do you think that, that Tuchel could be close to the exit door? And, and how, how has this come about when the club, you know, were given where the club were just a few weeks ago?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't make too much sense. But when you remember this is PSG, um, it, it, it starts to sort of... Uh, <laughs> It's, they sort of it just sort of plays itself out. This this sort of farce they have. We know they've they've had South American players um, preferential treatment for for ages. They, they have sort of that that clique in the dressing room that was there before before Tuchel, um, and and the fact that they've got so many huge characters in the dressing room. Uh, Marquinhos playing in, in midfield, I think was was something that they probably did because they still had um Thiago Silva. Marquinhos was still a very, very good player in midfield. Um but it does seem like now Silva's moved on um there wouldn't be much point in Marquinhos um occupying that place still and he should be back back in, in central defence. But it it just doesn't surprise me that this has happened at PSG. Um I think we all thought with this Champions League run that maybe they'd moved on, maybe this is a next step for them. Um, it could potentially be, but like I said, with everything that's going on behind the scenes, it just makes us uh, makes us question it really. For
0: sure, for sure. And do Jeremy, do you think that? I mean, I guess it's always kind of a soap opera behind the scenes in in, in Paris, but. But do you think that these off the pitch incidents, you know, the speculation over Tuchel's future, the ongoing uh, investigation into the alleged racial abuse of Neymar in the in the classic, um, you know, uh, all all of this sort of stuff. Do you do we feel that these off the pitch factors could could derail PSG's kind of early, early season?
1: Definitely early season. I mean, I still, you know, you look at generally how easily they win the league it it just means that it should sort of you know go on until April instead of March or something like that um but um yeah it's I think it will affect them early season it might you know if I suppose if it sort of seeps into early Champions League matches then it it could cause a few nervy moments as well and and obviously you know depending on what's going on in the background there might be some sort of bad blood that's longer lasting but i mean I, I struggle to sympathize because bernat's injury yesterday aside everything that that happens there is all sort of self-inflicted um you know tuchel saying you know it's it's terrible that the players being sort of worked to the bone all that kind of thing well um so they as as pierre paul put really succinctly and well in, in, a, in a tweet today PSG were the ones who chose to move that last match PSG players with the permission of the club um, chose to, to go to Ibiza and all catch COVID um, PSG players chose to lose their heads at the weekend um, causing the defeat and all the suspensions um, so it you know and they still fielded 11 internationals yesterday. So, um, you know, it's nothing to do with the fact they beat Mess. So I just think this is the kind of thing that goes on there all the time. And I, you know, I'm not 100% impressed with Tuchel. And I do sense that the Champions League run, which, by the way, I don't think is that impressive. They just beat the teams that you'd expect them to be, um, Was probably done in spite of him, not, not thanks to him. But at the same time, when have got a sporting director who, by the way, I don't think is particularly covering himself in glory since he's come back anyway. I can't think of anything of note that he's done. I asked people on Twitter and all they could come up with was the players that he's sold, but that's, that's easy. That's surely he earns his money bringing players in um, with, with him undermining the manager. So publicly then um It makes Tuchel's job much more difficult, same as it was with Blanc and with with, um, Emery. And as as for Marquinhos playing in midfield, again, for me, that's a sort of long-standing PSG problem that they spent ridiculous amounts on, on a couple of players and don't have a strong enough squad. I still think that's an average midfield. And the fact that their best defender... Um, is having to play in midfield and is most of the time their best midfielder is an indictment on their, their sort of long term transfer policy.
0: Yeah, it certainly is, you know, and even the players that they have brought in, you know, I thought it was pretty telling that it was that midfield that we saw in the Champions League final, though I feel that they, they performed well, you know, to see Ander Herrera, for example, at the age of the ripe old age of 34 or so, you know, starting in the Champions League final, that, that does. That does tell you a lot. Alongside, as you say, playing the best defender in the, in midfield, based on on what you were saying, you know, and what we said about kind of an early season, perhaps kind of a you know a, a difficult early patch for them with the kind of tumultuous events that are happening off the pitch. Do we feel, and you know, this is a question that people that's asked of Ligon every year, but do we feel this year? Is the year perhaps where you know, PSG really are going to give other teams a head start and somebody could, um, somebody could you know, make up some ground and, and, and provide a kind of a long-standing challenge for the title?
1: I think it's probably certainly the best chance since, since Monaco. But, and I feel like there's sort of a few other teams that are capable of putting up a challenge, but I still, I still don't think any of them are strong enough. Um, yeah, you know, I, I still think Marseille's squad is so threadbare, I just can't see how they, not threadbare but thin. I can't see how they can maintain a Champions League run and um and and a, and a decent league campaign, um despite having Tovar back, which is light like a new signing. Um Lyon, we've already seen, have got all the, the usual Lyon problems. Um, and Monaco I think have been really impressive but I don't think it's the same Monaco of 2017 mm-hmm. so I, I, think, I think it will be closer, I think possibly the problem will be that there's enough of these other teams you know Chuck Bren and maybe Saint-Etienne into the equation as well, they'll probably all take enough points from each other that that will help PSG out in the long run as well mm-hmm. so I think it will be more interesting but I still would be surprised if anyone gives PSG much of a Challenge in the end. Once everyone comes back, I also I also think the whole thing shows how just how important Mbappe is.
0: Yeah, I think it certainly does. And and what with him being potentially back this weekend is that is that going to be the boost that they need, Thomas, at least on the pitch to to get a comprehensive result against Nice, who they play this weekend.
2: Yeah, I think if i it, it has like Jeremy Sean said, um, it has shown that that how important Mbappe is to that to that side. Um it was interesting to see Icardi yesterday was um it was I'm, I'm, I think putting putting in more efforts may be a bit harsh on him. Um but you could see that he was more active in in uh or trying to get more involved in play. Um but certainly Mbappe is is the man for PSG at the moment um and has been for quite a while. So him coming back into the squad against a Nice team that haven't really impressed me um at all so far. Um the only other thing to mention for PSG is really that um it it's it's kind of like a silver line in a way that they've they've been able to bring through and play some of their younger players, some of their youth players from their academy. Because PSG have, you know, one of the best academies in France. Um, and they always, you know, get criticised for for letting these players go. And the big one was was Coleman, who scored the winning goal against them in the Champions League, came from their academy. Um, and that was highlighted a lot on, you know, on social media and whatnot. So I'm not sure how long they'll keep these players for, but it's, it's nice at least to see them Get some game time while um, players are unavailable to to uh, to start in some of these games
0: sure, as you say, I suppose that's one silver lining you know mm. in the in the mess game we had um, bandyugu fadiga making his debut which was uh, which was good to see, so you know at least there's some you know it's not all not all doom and gloom and kind of you know the usual kind of nonsense that we we have going on in the background um. Okay, so let's move on to to the home side this weekend, Nice. So they've had a decent start to the season with two wins, or at least prior to the weekend, where they lost 3-1 to Montpellier um, in a pretty toothless, turgid performance, um, to be honest. Um, Obviously, you kind of alluded to it there, Thomas, that they haven't been particularly impressive. There's kind of been consistent unrest more recently with, with Patrick Vieira. Obviously, he had a a promising first season. Um, But things about things haven't really kicked on, you know, despite the signings that they've made. Um Bob Ratcliffe has spoken at length about how they see him as the right man for the job. But in terms of Vieira as a coach, I, I guess I'll ask both of you this, but, but Thomas first, do you feel that he's the right man to take this nice team and this project forward?
2: From what I've seen at the moment now, Um he's been at Nice for is it two seasons. his third season now. I think it might be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And the previous two seasons, the best player in the team has been Walter Benitez. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been <laughs> performing miracles um, game after game to, to, to keep him clean sheets and, and, and win them and win them games really. And it just seems dysfunctional that he can't Vieira, doesn't seem to be able to construct a um an attack that that will produce produce enough goals for them. I think they've been lucky this season. The, the first game against Lawrence they got battered um and somehow you know it was only two pieces of um ability, um of brilliance from from Greary, I think it was that they got them out in that game and got them the three points. Um and they can't be relying on on Benitez to to keep um, producing great games and games and games, and and think that Vieira is progressing as a manager and, and building this Nice team up, especially with all the investment we've seen them we've seen um, Ineos put into the club, especially over the over the summer with all the new signings. So maybe you know, obviously we need to. I'd say more time needs to be given um, because they have got quite a few new signs in the squad. And to see what Vieira does with them, but we've said this I think at the start of the year when they signed Dahlberg and whatnot. And we said this at the start of the Vieira's second campaign. And was there much change? I'm not entirely convinced.
0: No, I think you I think I think that's a fair a fair assessment. Um, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on, on Vieira as a coach going into his third season at OGC Nice
1: Yeah I feel quite similarly I think um, last season I sort of for a lot of the season gave him the benefit of the doubt saying you know all these new players came in literally the last week of the window because most of the summer was um, spent um, sort of speculating whether Ineos were going were to complete the, the purchase or not and, and they did so late but it um, sort of felt like well to be fair to Vieira, he hasn't really had a proper preseason with a lot of his players, and I suppose on paper you look at it and you say, well, you know, with those new players, he, he got them into Europe, so fair play to him. But yeah, for a lot of last season as well, they really flattered to deceive, and and I think it was literally an injury time goal in in the last match before before lockdown and before the season sort of closed down that got them into Europe. Um, so. Arguably, that was a little bit flattering, and and you know you, you never you never know what would have happened if they they played sort of nine games more um, this season. Yeah, that they've I think they've had obviously because of the injection of money. I think they probably had the best transfer window of, of any club in Liga, and I think it's fair to give um, Vieira and the players a little bit of chance a chance to bed in. And again, if you know if you're sort of looking glass half full, you can say well. You know, if they're they're getting a couple of wins, even when they're not playing well, even when the players haven't yet bedded in, then um, you know that that's a positive thing. And you know, it's the cliche about I'm not saying they're going to win the win the league, but um, <laughs> champions get results even when they're not playing well. Um, so he's sort of it feels like he's always doing just enough to to make it seem like it would be harsh to get rid of him, but um, at some point especially with the the players that have come in this year um i think there needs to be the results but also yeah at some point definitely the the performances to go with them and um yeah the, certainly so far this season you know even even with the um the consolation goal at the weekend against montpellier it seems to all be um Greary or um dolberg to an extent as well but I think there needs to be a lot more sort of um, attacking intent and imagination. And and, um, I think he's got the players to to be able to do something a lot more special than he's doing so far.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, that's what that's what I think it was in the president's podcast um, that um, CEO Bob Ratcliffe was saying that, you know, um, Patrick hasn't had the players to play more expansive football, but, you know. He, he did get a few of those guys in last summer and certainly a few more this summer in terms of players like Ronnie Lopez on loan or, or Guiri, who you guys mentioned, who, who got two goals on, on his niece debut, you know. So I think it is fair now to say that to, to demand more, you know, and that kind of just doing enough is isn't really good enough. And of course, you know, time will tell um I don't think it's time to, to necessarily change coach right now, but but certainly I think more more and more questions are going to be asked of uh, Patrick Vieira. So it will be interesting to see how that develops and how Nice get on over the coming games. Um, so uh, with that in mind, what are your score predictions ahead of this weekend, gents? Let's start with Thomas.
2: Um, I honestly don't think this will be a very exciting game, to be honest. Um the very recent news out of Nice is that Dahlberg, Claude Maurice, and and Socky have all been um, conferred positive for for COVID. So that's um, another hit to their to their list of players. But I think oh, honestly, oh, I'm going to say a one nil, a two one PSG win. Actually, no, Nice aren't going to score two two nil PSG.
0: <laughs> and what about you, Jeremy?
2: Um,
1: I agree. I, I don't think it's going to be great. I think it's two two teams that really haven't yet come close to sort of motoring. And yeah, um, there's the Mbappe factor, which that's the only reason I'm sort of hesitating a bit. But I think I'm going to go one or yeah. Interesting.
0: One, one. Sure. And I'm going to go for, I think, a 2-1. So I think Nice will probably get some kind of scrappy goal, a Dante header or something in the mix. But otherwise, yeah. Um, OK, just a quick, some quick updates from... From what's going on. So uh, as things stand, Marseille is still 1-0 down uh, to Saint-Étienne. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit later as the game progresses. And of course, we also have Rams who are competing in the Europa League qualifying stages. They are currently 1-0 up against Servette from Switzerland. Uh, OK, so let's move on to our second game of the weekend that we're going to be looking at, which is Rennes versus Monaco, which three games in is the top of the table clash. Um as we have both teams on seven points. Uh, let's start with Ren, the home side. So um, it looks like potentially any day now they're set to lose Edouard Mendy to Chelsea. Um, Thomas, how important has the Senegalese goalkeeper been uh, for Ren over the past season? And, well, season and a bit, I suppose. And
2: um,
0: what can Chelsea expect from him if he moves?
2: it's strange that it, the the transfer has been held up for for quite a while i thought it would have been done by now um but but mendy has been um i mean one of the strongest keepers in in league and since since he got promoted with uh, Rance, uh not long ago and he was very strong in in league there as well um i think uh, technically with his with his distribution is is not at the top of the list but when it comes to to shot stopping him um, he's fairly consistent um and and i think i mean comparing him to what Chelsea currently have as their number one keeper um it's not really much of a competition um, <laughs> no offense to to, to Kepa. um but I think he's been very important for for ran i think last season they were i'm not sure if they were the see the least amount of goals but they were close. Um and definitely they'll they'll be looking for a replacement for him. I've not heard if they who they've been looking for, but um I don't trust um I think it's Salon who's a, who's a second choice keeper to uh, to really produce the same same sort of levels of performance that that Mendy was.
1: Yeah, that We're connected with that, like... at one point, but
2: oh, right, okay. it's obviously gone to Fulham. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, um, actually what, from what I was reading today, they're being strongly linked to Kevin Trapp, who of course used to play for, for PSG, Mm -hmm. um, which would be, which would be interesting, obviously, you know, started okay for, for Paris, but before being, for being kind of shoved out, um, we've, we've talked on this podcast before about talented coaches, um, and how, or talented French coaches, I should say specifically how perhaps they're underrated outside of France, um, I'm aware that kind of there are, people have relatively mixed opinions on, on Julien Stéphane, which I find quite difficult to believe. Um, Jeremy, do you think that, that Julien Stefan is perhaps the most talented French coach currently working in, in France, um, other than Didier Deschamps, of course? And do you foresee him uh, potentially moving to a bigger club at some stage in the future if he keeps, uh, keeps doing what he's currently doing at Rennes?
1: Um. No, and yes. Um, I don't. I think we we had quite a good um, podcast near the end of our season where we sort of talked about coaches and and how um, French coaches don't get enough credit. And I think Stefan, I don't know if it's because obviously they they won the the Coupe de France a couple of years back, and and, um, I'm sure his dad is a is a factor in him maybe getting a little bit more positive press than others, but for example, people like David Guillon, I think, um, is doing probably an even better job. I think Ren have got ahead of a lot more resources, and it's fair to say at this stage are a bigger club than Ras, but I think Ras have, have been, um, you know, really consistent and, and doing, you know, more or less as well with with a much lesser squad. Um, I think that um you know you can you can look obviously at um I'm not just saying it because Thomas is here, but um <laughs> Thierry laurier, I think there's a lot of very talented French coaches who don't get enough credit um you know i'm not I'm not disputing that that Stefan should definitely be in the conversation, but I'm not sure he's the biggest talent I think he's just getting the best press um i don't you know by all accounts he's Possibly a little bit of a Mourinho type in that he sort of likes to create a little bit of tension in his own changing room and and mm-hmm. um, there have been reports, even though they're, they're not necessarily always from the most popular French journalists, but that you know that, that, that there, there are some fallings out in the background um, i mean he's we know he's had fallings out with with people above him last season um, he he won that sort of little argument or whatever but um even on the pitch as well and and, you know garassi has come in and obviously had a a very good match at the weekend but you know it could well be that he came in because the relationship between stefan and and niang has has sort of fallen apart so Mm -hmm. i i'm not one of his biggest fans i don't particularly i think that he's made ren a filthy team um (laughs) as in Fouling, but also lots of diving and cheating. I think he's benefited from a couple of very good young players who, to be fair, maybe he should take some of the credit for bringing them through. Um, I think Ren just generally have had a lot of luck. For example, I don't think there's any way they were going to finish top four, um, top three rather, if the season had, had, you know, gone to 38 games last season. I think um, Leo had all the momentum. But, um, so i'm not absolutely convinced but clearly there's definitely a talent there i'm just yeah I, I think it probably helps that his dad is the deputy coach of the um the world champions <laughs> maybe yeah,
0: I think that will definitely be a, be a factor. And, and certainly, I think kind of, as you say, that Coupe de France victory and a lot of the good press will perhaps help inflate that, whereas coaches uh, certainly outside of France and, and the French press, you know, coaches like Thierry Laurier and um, uh, David Guillain, and dare I say it, Stefan Moulin, will mm-hmm. kind of go under the radar a little bit more. Um, so, uh, Thomas... He also, well,
1: sorry, just on. probably should say he also kind of looks the part, doesn't he?
0: He does. He definitely, definitely does.
2: does yeah. Um.
0: So, regardless of your thoughts on 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 Stéphane, Thomas, given kind of Ren's pretty smart signings in the transfer market, players like Girasi and Martin Terrier and Naif Faguer as well. Um. And obviously, they're kind of immediately more recent success, and they're kind of relatively wealthy owners. Do you think that this could be a part of something? the start of something special for 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 Ren in terms of you know perhaps going on to, to more consistently qualify for Europe and and uh, and win trophies?
2: Um I'd say so I think I'm a little more positive about Ren than um than Jazz Jez might have been, but I do agree with some of the points he made. Um they were quite lucky last year. To, I'm
1: positive about Ren just not as positive about.
2: <laughs> I mean as a as a as a young talented coach is the most talented French one because there's not really that many young French managers um around usually like people like Guillaume's probably David Guillaume's probably in his 50s now probably I think so. Um Moulin's 53 and I think Stefan's maybe 40 close to Around that, but as as a talented manager, I'd say obviously he's probably the only one in the top two divisions around his age. Um, but for for Ren, especially with, I mean, obviously Mendy Mendy will probably end up leaving. But um like you said, like you said, Jake, especially with the the signings they've made, um, it it does f- sort of fill in the gaps where I thought they had s- sort of issues. So we saw. Last season, Yang was was a good striker, but he wasn't, I would say, at the level of where Ren are aiming for. And I mean, it was a it was quite a big fee to bring in um I think it was 50 million euros. But yeah. him, he's, he's played. You know, he, sta- he's, he started that game against against Nîmes on the weekend, and and came up with two with two goals. Um, and I think maybe the Ren have might have found their their striker that they've struggled to find really for the, past, for the past couple of years um, again is a great a great signing for them really good centre back and, and they've got so much um, I'm not going to mention the name we always mention when we talk about Wren but they've got um, a lot of, uh, of very very good young talent um, coming through I think um, I can't remember the, the fullback's name now Suppy Yes Soppy that's it um in the i think he, when he played against uh Lille, he was really really strong against them, and uh he looks like a really good another good talent coming through them their their youth system so i think the the weaknesses that I saw in the team last season I don't see them anymore really um and they seem to be strengthening a a squad and they clearly have faith in in Stefan at the moment. Um, and they've started the, the season very well.
0: Yeah, they have. And I think, you know, some of the players they're being linked with as well, perhaps we wouldn't have associated with, you know, obviously being in the Champions League helps. But, you know, players like Jeremy Boga, who, of course, did play for Rennes, um, I believe when he was on loan from Chelsea, but he... Um, you know to given how how well he's been doing in italy you know it's it's and the the clubs that have reportedly been interested in him you know the fact that renner in the conversation does show show ambition and and show where they are at the moment so so yeah i think it's exciting times in brittany um let's move on to their opponents then so to monaco um who also have two wins and a draw as i mentioned it's been a small sample size so far but How would you assess Niko Kovac's start to life in Liga so far, Jeremy?
1: Um, Excellent, I think. Um, Not just how um, the results, but what I really like, and I I don't know to what extent is him or the change of policy within the club, but what I really like is that um, there was that, the whole sort of bizarre thing with Jardin where, you know, all his success came from young players. And then, to be fair, Henri tried to... to keep with the young players and you know he's the one for example who gave Badia Shield his his debut and his first chances and then and then Jardin came back and seemed to want to pack the team with sort of 40 year olds and sent all the decent players out on loan or or, you know stuck them in the reserves so what I really like about this this Monaco team for the most part is that um, they're, they're sort of investing again in youth and if they can keep, you know, like Goebbels called the winner at the weekend, and and we know that him along with Pietri have had, you know, such bad injury issues since they arrived. But if they can also have the the sort of um, not luck, but um, I guess avoid the bad luck of of these constant niggles and and be able to, you know, really use the the full breadth of their squad, which I think is still about seventy players or something at the moment. But, um, there's there's a lot of talent there and I think there always was, even the last couple of years when they were struggling. It's just that they weren't they were ignoring them. And um I'm hoping that there isn't too much pressure put on Kovac in that they're sort of, they're not gonna say, you know, we expect you to be challenging for the title, at least for this season, because if he you know if they if they if he's given a chance for for the likes of Badiasil and Goebbels and um you know, Diop who also um was it Diop who scored at the weekend? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, yeah. you know, the, these kinds of players, if if they get um the chance to sort of get full seasons under their belts and, and really become um regular first teamers, then I'm hoping and 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 as usual, you know, if they stay at the club for, for any prolonged period, then um I think they could be challenging again in the next couple of years um you know for Kovach himself obviously uh he didn't go brilliantly at Bayern but it does make him a bad coach overnight and I just yeah I just think that <laughs> kind of like well in a different way but the Two, three years now, Monaco have been as dysfunctional as PSG and and everything they've done seems to have just been shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, just the fact that you, you hear that they were in financial trouble when you think of the, you know, almost billions, literally, that that they've made in transfer fees the last few years. It just gives you an idea of how badly run they must be. And, and probably most of that money has gone in um uh Payos just to jard- jardin uh, <laughs> yeah. and you know Moreno I thought was probably treated badly and whether you agree with getting rid of him or not the fact that in a season that was truncated they waited until the new season was almost upon us before getting rid of him was ridiculous as well but now with Kovach, with a good manager there with what looks like a, a proper policy in terms of slightly more experienced players coming in and also mm-hmm. investing in the very good young players that they've got there there just seems to be a bit more direction a bit more um uh not sensibleness you know what I mean I can't think of the right yeah word. yeah um and so I think that bodes well. And yeah, three three games into the season, one of them was against Mets. You can't read too much into it, but <laughs> it, it is an excellent start. And and um, it just feels very different to the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, it, it really does. And And going on from what you were saying there, Thomas, do you think that kind of given that we seem to be seeing a bit more kind of responsible recruitment, compared to kind of the windows of 2018 and 2019. Do you feel that that Monaco do have a good chance of getting back to that level that they were at under Leonardo Jardim? Or do you still think that they're a long way off um, reaching the dizzy heights of the Champions League semifinals?
2: I think, I mean, like like Jez has said, um, it does seem that they're sort of getting their act together a little bit more. And... You can see with you know they've actually started to try and get rid of all these players that they've kept. Um, I'm thinking of Andorams left, Adama Traore is gone, um, I Benacer is probably gonna leave. So that they are trying to thin that squad down, and and the recruitment has been has been um, impressive so far, and I think it's. I mean, obviously, a long way off what the what they were. Um, a few years ago, but they're definitely putting. It looks like they're they're starting out at least at the right at the right place um, to develop towards that. Even though it is, um, like I said, a, a, a fair way off at the moment. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see to see how they do this season. Um, I especially think this game against Rennes will be more exciting than, than the Nice versus uh, versus Paris
0: for sure I think I think I think it will I'm looking forward to this one um and just finally on on Monaco just very quickly um uh, Jeremy you mentioned that that Willem Goebbels got the winner um at the at the weekend against Nantes um he's still just 19 uh, obviously he's been out of the picture for so long because he's been so blighted by injury but this is a hugely promising youngster who came through Leon's academy um, he became the youngest player in history to feature in the Europa League. I'm pretty sure. Um, before joining Monaco, I think he was only he was still 16 for 20 million euros in June 2018, uh, despite having only made a, a, a very few senior appearances for Lyon, and I think this was his first senior goal. So, what kind of player do Monaco have? On their hands is—is is he still? Do you still think that he can reach the potential that he was—that was predicted for him, or do you feel that injuries over the last couple of years have just will just have taken too much of a toll on on him?
1: Um, first of all, I think I said—I um, think I got the Italian guy's name wrong earlier. I don't think I said Pellegrini. Anyway, whatever it is, um, we might never see him again. Anyway, but uh, I think <laughs> for 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 Goebbels, yeah, I, I just. I think that the type of player he is, so Pellegrini, I think, is a lot more about sort of strength and and height, and um, that it feels like injury niggles could could sort of be more serious for him, or that he's the kind of player who may well get more of these these injury problems, and it could have more an effect of an effect on his career. Whereas Goebbels, I think, is more. I mean, it's 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 the obvious um sort of comparison to make because he, he sort of made a similar journey at a relatively similar age, but more a sort of Martial character who's more about um you know speed and skill and footwork and that kind of thing. Um so I mean you, you could argue I guess that um you know injury if you're sort of partly based on speeds and explosiveness, then then injuries would are, are going to affect you more. But I just feel like he's got a little bit more kind of now to his game and and therefore If he can steer clear of the injuries, then I don't see why he can't still um, make make a good career of it. Again, that that that's one of the things about all these really young French players who kind of burst onto the scene at such a young age that sort of it feels like they've been around for ten years or something, and then turns out they're still only twenty two or something. Um, And getting that like at Brighton now with Neil Mope, it's amazing. He's i think he's 23 now and it just if it well it is so long since he he made his debut in french football um so uh, yeah again it, it sort of works both ways it means that they've still got a long time to to recover from kind of growing pains and build a career um but then on the on the other side, you know that there is always the concern. Maybe it was it's because of um, doing a little bit too much too young. In, in Goebbels' case, obviously the injuries have, have been bad enough that he hasn't done too much too young because he's barely even had the chance to play in, in his career. So, you know, he looked he looked good at the weekend, and and um, I think as long as all these injuries are growing pains and nothing more, sort of. Um, is the phrase acute, or is it the opposite of acute? Whatever it is, as long, as long as they're not sort of you know serious, long-term, recurring injuries, then I think he's the type of player who, who can still have a great career.
0: I I really hope so because you know what you know he's this is a guy with with so much potential. Um, So it would be really amazing to see him uh, even get close to what was expected of him back in sort of 2018, 2017. Um, Okay, so let's have score predictions for this one. Uh, We'll start with you, Jeremy, this time.
1: Um, I'm trying to remember. Is it Ren at home, isn't it? Yeah, it Um, is. So I'm going to go... I think it will be a decent match. I'm going to go... Opti- I'm going to be optimistic in terms of number of goals. I'm going to say
2: three-two.
0: Ren. Oh, that would be that would be be exciting. And what about you, Thomas?
2: I was be the same prediction. Um, I'll go two-one. Ren instead.
0: Okay, then I will go two-all because I think there is goals in this one. As you both pointed out, I think this will be a more exciting match than PSG Nice for sure. Um, just to update everyone as we are live, um, Rams are through to the third qualifying round of the Europa League. So their amazing story continues. Credit to them and to David Guillaume. Um And Marseille are now 2-0 down to Saint-Étienne. So by the time we talk about them, maybe that match will be over and we can uh, reflect a bit on that. So with that in mind, um, for our last match of the evening, let's start with Lille, who will be the away side um, at the Velodrome uh, this weekend. So, um, yeah, with that in mind, they have scraped through their games so far. They are joint top of the table with the aforementioned two sides on seven points. Um, But they have two narrow wins and a draw, and they left it late against Mess uh, at the weekend. Um, And, um, yeah, so it's been kind of relatively uninspiring so far. Thomas, is this resilience we're seeing in Lille, or perhaps a lack of the usual offensive cohesion that we've come to expect from Christophe Galtier's side in recent seasons.
2: Um, probably both, I guess. Um, they've obviously had, as they always do at Lille, um, important players, you know, uh, on the outgoings, and and it does. It seems to take them. It seems that because of that the Lille you usually see at the start of the season is much more underdeveloped than the one that you, you, you see towards the end of the season. I think we saw that last um, last time around where players like, you know, Renato Sanchez were really coming on strong in just before the lockdown came into effect. Um, and I think Lille probably would have been um, higher up in the table than, the, than they did finish um, in 2019-20. But like I said, you know Jonathan david's been quite unlucky not to not to score his first goal. I think has actually been quite um quite impressive in the games he's well he's impressed me more than i initially thought um but with lil it is yeah, i'm I'm not sure about them at the moment um but it it does seem like that there's i the only thing I'm well, it really is pointing out to me is, is Sven Botman's been really impressive for them in each of his games, um, and that's great that they've got somebody in that's you know replaced um, replaced Gabriel so it just seems so easily, um, but I'm I'm not sh- sure they are. I think it will take a, a few months before they are close to to the strength that i would i would think them to be
0: yeah it's it certainly looks that way and mm. and you know if you look at um as you say I, it's kind of surprising that the Yilmaz has been the, the the looked almost looked the more dangerous of those attackers so far at least to my mind when you know this is a, a guy who's very physical and he's 35 years old you don't necessarily he's not the most mobile he wouldn't necessarily expect him to be doing to, you know be a linchpin of a of of Galtier's Lille given some of the forwards that they've had in, in in recent seasons what have you made of Jonathan David so far um thomas obviously he hasn't scored a goal as of yet and you know he was effectively the big money signing to replace uh Victor Osimhen um what have you made of his performances so far and do you think he's just been unlucky or or do you have concerns over his um how he is adapting to to life in liga
2: I think it's it's way too early to really judge him um, on the on the initial performances. Um, he did have one one big miss against against Mats. Um, I think it was, might have been quite a good save from Akija, but it was it was one on one through on goal. Um, but it will it will take him time to adjust. Um, I mean, Simhem was kind of a freak because he sort of hit the ground running straight up, straight away but all the signs um that that David showed in in Belgium were were similar to to how a simen was was um was talked of so uh, I, I trust um Luis Campos's um ability to to find the right players uh, for Galtier and ta- very talented players I'm sure will turn turn a profit for them, but I think he just needs more more time. That's not surprising.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, you know, can think talking about kind of players moving on, and and we've mentioned mentioned Gabrielle briefly there, um, or just earlier on. And you mentioned that Thomas that Botman's, that you know, doing doing a good job filling in, but, but just how much of a miss, um, Jeremy, do you think Gabriel will be to this Lille side? You know, he had a great debut for Arsenal in the Premier League in terms of scoring and, and helping them keep a clean sheet, albeit to a to, to a pretty poor side. But do you think do you think Lille will will miss him a lot this season?
1: Um Yes and no. I think um, they'll, they'll definitely miss him because I think he's an excellent defender and he, he did brilliantly the last eighteen months or so with with Lille. But um, if if Botman can come, can come in and and sort of do as good a job, then obviously he won't be as as severely missed as, as he could be. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that. Sort of similarly to, to Monaco a few years back until they got a little bit too clever for themselves, I think. And, and obviously there is the, the Campos connection there. Um, I think Lille's transfer policy over the last few years has, has been really canny, really good. They've, they've unearthed some good players like like Gabriel um, and... Um, it, the problem is obviously that there's only so much you can do because you're not building any kind of um, sort of dynasty of, of a squad because you're you're selling a lot of players every summer and you're also maybe not giving yourself as much of a chance to, to kind of challenge for the title because by the time the, the, the new players bed in as, as good as they, they prove to be, you know, it might already be a couple of months into the season and you might already sort of be playing catch-up. Um, I think that's what happened last year um, as, as Thomas said sort of despite was men settling immediately and, and, and helping them get results and it feels a little bit like that this year but I suppose similarly to what we said about Nice earlier if while they're still finding their feet and players like Jonathan David isn't, isn't quite there yet if while that's happening they're still you know getting seven points every three games then um when it all clicks, and and with only sort of one goal conceded in those three games as well, when it all clicks, then then you've got to think that um, they'll they'll be one of those clubs that are certainly going to be challenging for for the Champions League places. Um, the only concern is, like Monaco, I just I just feel like there's only so many years that you can keep doing that, and it only takes one bad summer and a couple of um, bad signings, and it can all go wrong quite quickly. But um I, I think the players they have brought in um have been good. I'm not I'm not as convinced as as all of you about Yilmah. Certainly the first the first match. Um, you know, it was certainly him coming on and and, and Kamavinka coming on, sort of with op- very opposite performances that probably changed the game in in Ren's favour. Um and sort of similarly to what I said about Mess, but at a much higher level. Um, I think um I can't see... I'm not sure that there's a... I don't think And um, Jonathan David is the same type of player as Ozymen, so I'm not sure he's going to be sort of a centre-forward scoring 12, 13 goals. Um, yeah. So I think, again, the onus is on a few other players to share them around, but I definitely think they've got enough players with the qualities to do that. So I, st- I still think they'll, they'll have a good season.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that how that all pans out and whether Jonathan David does hit the ground running and whether they're able to maybe with him in tow, kind of recapture what they were able to do a couple of years ago in that amazing 2018, 2019 season and really share the goals around. But I was admittedly surprised when Barack Nealmers was signed. I guess he's kind of there to provide that experience that that like Remy was, was provided in terms of that kind of older forward to, to help nurture these, uh, these young talents, but you know, um, an interesting signing nonetheless. Um, Right, let's move on finally then to, to Marseille, the home side at the weekend. Um, they are currently in the 94th minute um, against Saint-Étienne and still 2-0 out. It's just finished. It's just finished? Okay, yeah. excellent. Well, um, I guess we can start then by by saying, okay, so that's two two wins and one defeat and uh, you know a pretty disappointing defeat um, uh, at home, 2-0 to Saint-Étienne. Um, how big a blow do you think this is to Marseille I I mean we've already talked about how perhaps you know people claiming after the or proclaiming I should say after the Classique that they would be title contenders was perhaps very premature given how thin their squad is which you alluded to Jeremy but how big a blow do we think this will be to to them and um, you know yeah how big a blow do we think this will be to them going forward this defeat Um, I
1: think Like I said, I d I don't I I think last year was one of those sort of perfect storms where everything went well and, and certainly Villas-Boas showed what a good coach he was. Um I think any any talk of Marseille being serious title challengers for me is is a little bit um too optimistic. And so I I think um I just I feel like they're still very, very reliant on Payet or Tova to to turn it on. Um and so, you know, they have an off game like Payet did to an extent today. torvan looked OK, although they're literally showing uh, a really good chance that he missed, as I say that. Um, <laughs> that That's why I feel that, um, you know, PSG as well, I feel like they, they rely too much on, and Lyon actually. <laughs> I think they all rely on too much, too much mm. on sort of... Individual match winners. I think the difference is that Vedas really has Marseille playing as a, as a, as a team behind those players, and that's why I think they they showed more consistency last year and overperformed, whereas PSG obviously on another level. But Lyon massively underperformed, so I, I think Marseille will, will be Champions League qualifiers. But I think any any talk of Title contenders is, is silly, and so results like this against another sort of very well set up team who are playing with confidence at the moment, rode their luck to an extent. Must they hit the bar and should have scored when it was when when they were only one nil down? Um, these results can happen, but certainly I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected it. I know they only played a couple of days ago. That. Lost a lot of sort of emotional energy in that match, and obviously a couple of important players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still am surprised that Saint Etienne got that result there. But I'm not surprised that Marseille are going to drop. I fully expect Marseille to drop points here and there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's I think that's 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 relatively obvious. Um, th- Thomas, do you think that that freshness is going to start to be an issue for them? Perhaps quicker than expected. I mean, we talked about, you know, the fact that they're going to have to navigate uh, the Champions League and that they obviously haven't been able to make um, anywhere near as many signings as they would like due to their financial limitations and um, the kind of troubles they've been having um, in terms of adhering to the the DNCG and also to FFP. Um, Yeah, do we we feel that given that they're already playing again on Sunday and against obviously... opposition for European places in Mm -hmm. in the form of Lille do we think that that freshness is going to be an issue
2: yeah I think so I think this was something we we sort of raised last year um and they they did get away with it to an extent um especially with the with the lockdown but I mean I think this game's on a Sunday um, so they've got a few days rest, but especially as this, the season progresses and they ha- and they have them them Champions League games, I'm I'm not really expecting them to produce much from Champions League. Um, maybe something better than the last European competition, which I think was Europa League, and they didn't win a game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if. I, I I mean it depends what the Champions League draws like, but um, it would be very very difficult for them at the, at the moment with their current squad to compete on two fronts and expect to to finish um, in in second place in in Liga.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough season for them. I mean, obviously, you know Benedetto is going to be back for the for the weekend because he was suspended, um, I believe here, um, but. Um, it is going to be tough and especially given that i think they're pot four in the in the champions league group stage you know it's going to be it's going to be but going to be a a tricky season for for marseille um right so what are our score predictions for this one gents thomas do you want to go first
2: yeah sure um i'm going to go for a one-all draw what about you jeremy
1: sorry I was on mute forgot to take myself off um I was also going to go for for one all so to be different and because they're at home even though they lost at home tonight um I think Marseille will bounce back I'll say 2-1 Marseille
0: okay I'm gonna go for 1-0 Marseille I think we'll see a more resolute performance and I back Tovan to get the winner given his kind of that he is basically like a new signing for them and that he got a couple of goals. I mean I don't know how he performed in this game but given that he got a couple in this in already this season in that one against PSG I think he'll be a handful. Okay, so we'll wrap things up there. Um thank you very much for joining me tonight guys. It's been a pleasure and as always thank you for listening and please be sure to check out Um, gffn on twitter and also check out our website getfootballnews.com for all your french football needs in english i've been jake smales and i've been joined by jeremy smith and thomas wiseman thanks very much for listening enjoy the football and have a great week